Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Q. Two questions that we threw out there to you on the don'tbebroke.com text line as we kick off hour number two of the show. 69187, keyword R&R. Thoughts on the Black Friday game? Should that be a Raiders home game this year? Should it be a Raiders home game every year? Let us know your thoughts on that. And also, what defensive rookie do you think makes the biggest impact in 2023 and why? Join us now on the phone lines from the Times Free Press is Gene Henley. And Gene, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And we're going to talk to you about a a, a a Raider player, a rookie Raider player, but on the offensive side of things, that's McClendon Curtis, the offensive lineman from Chattanooga. And he went undrafted, but the Raiders signed him quickly after the draft was wrapped up. Were you shocked at all or anybody who covers Chattanooga football that he went undrafted? Uh. You know, I've, I've covered Chattanooga off and on for about a decade, um, and you see players at that level, and you don't necessarily see how know how it's going to translate. So I kind of thought he had a good chance, and of course, you see all the different draft projections that I think I saw anywhere between third through sixth round. But it started to get late, and I'm like, yeah, that, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Which, and again, at the end of the day, uh, it works out better for you know McClendon because you know essentially he chose the Raiders, right? Like, he didn't have to get drafted to him. He, he was able to choose, which obviously is a, you know, is a, uh, is a positive sign for, uh, for what McDaniels is building out there that, you know, he's got, you know, quality players choosing to go to his organization. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And McClendon was a, a low-star recruit coming out of high school. Some rankings had him at a two-star, some had him at a low three-star. But how much did you see him develop over his time? And he was there for a while, uh, six years in the program. How much did you see him develop with his time there with the Mocs? Right, yeah. And, and I covered – I think I covered four of his six years, I believe. Uh, I, I was in – I was up covering Tennessee for a couple of those. So when he really seemed to take the step, because his first couple of years he was like – I think he came to Chattanooga at like 360, 370, um, completely just spent the whole first year just trying to get into, you know, some level of shape and mm-hmm. uh, had got himself down to about 315 pounds. And, you know, I think it wasn't until 2019 that the new coaching staff came in and, you know, McClendon would tell you this, that's when he really seemed to take the real, like the leap into a, a pretty elite player because uh, at his size, you really just kind of have to show some level of competence and if you go beyond that, now you're a prospect. And I, and I think that's what McClendon did. But those last couple of years, you know, obviously he was, you know, playing alongside, uh, you know, Cole Strange, who was the first-round pick mm-hmm. of the New England Patriots last year. You know, so that was, you know, to have two, three quality pieces on that line, it certainly caused McClendon to have to raise his level of, uh, of execution. And I think over those last couple of years, specifically with from, uh, from 2019 – you know, the 2021 season was really – the spring season was really disjointed because they tried that spring stuff, and the Chattanooga players just really weren't going for it. But uh, you really saw him take that next step over the last few years. I mean, it, like the last half of his career. 
Again, we're talking with Gene Henley from the Times Free Press here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, uh, McClendon played multiple positions at the Senior Bowl, and that's only a week long of practice, but he played just about every single position. And I know he played a couple multiple positions there at Chattanooga. It sounds like he's very coachable, like he's willing to do whatever it takes for the, uh, the team, right, whatever the coaches need him to do. Is that something that you kind of experienced as you were covering McClendon? Yeah, McClendon's one of the easiest people – uh, that I've spoken with, I mean, that I've had a chance to be around to interview. You got a you get a lot of access covering Chattanooga. I, I, when I was covering Tennessee, you don't get nearly as much <laughs> access, obviously, because the high level schools. Yeah. Uh, but Trey Smith, who is the starting lineman for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, you know, obviously all, you all know him. Yeah. Uh, he was he was similar with that some that level of approachability. Although, of course, we didn't get that there, but. Yeah, McClendon at any moment will talk to you about anything. He'll talk to you about his cooking. He'll talk to you about his whatever, all of his his wide variety of interest. And, you know, he played, I think, three of the five positions. I think he played right guard, left guard, and left tackle. Uh, And so he was willing to do whatever it took for the team. And, you know, obviously you've got to have a certain level of hunger you know, signed or not as an undrafted free agent or just to, you know, to be drafted in, you know, in any way, shape, or form, you've got to have a certain level of hunger to do whatever it takes to succeed. And I think that's what McClendon's going to do um, while he's out in Vegas. Talking all things McClendon Curtis right now with Gene Henley here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, before I get into my actual question, go ahead and give us a leg up on all things McClendon, make some of those interests so we can surprise him and have a little <laughs> knowledge on him. McClendon ran, I don't know if it was a bootleg cooking, a restaurant inside of his, like, hotel, I mean, inside of his dorm room, <laughs> but he was cooking for, like, half the campus. And, nice. like, and I think, like, people were coming to his room and getting, I had, like, girls basketball players, and, you know, there was a boys basketball player who, you know, said his cooking was just as good, if not better. But I, I never got to, I tried to have a competition a couple years ago, and I couldn't quite put it together because of some COVID stuff. But, uh, but no, like McClendon was like a hustler in terms of like his cooking ability. Like McClendon will also tell you that he's a basketball player, but he's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, you know, that sounds he, like Demond. You know, saying and like and and like if you told him I said that, he would know it's coming from a good spot. But uh, he, but no, like at the end of the day, like McClendon's like an amazing, amazing dude. Like you know, more so than. Like, obviously, the football talent, the football skill, the size, obviously the hand size and all the little, like, you know, traits and skills and metrics and all this, that, and the other. But he's, like, just at the end of the day, just like a really good dude who's going to really kind of get entrenched in that community and do whatever he can because, like I said, I mean, I said, I don't know. I mean, it's not like he has a dorm room out there in Vegas, but I think there was, like, a pasta that he used to kind of swear by that he and one of his teammates uh, actually, the dude that got drafted, they got picked up by the um, the Bears, Devontae Maxwell. The two of them have this little hustle and thing going on, but Devontae is allegedly like the kingpin of it. And I think Devontae, uh, yeah, McClendon was the kingpin, and Devontae was kind of like just kind of from my, from what I understood, kind of there for the ride. But they both took credit. But that's awesome. Uh, he has a wide variety of interests, man. I can tell you that for sure. 
And to follow up on that, you said that he'll say that he's a basketball player. When we hear people talk about, let's say, Ronnie Stanley for the Ravens, it's always, oh, man, he was such a good basketball player in high school. That's why he's got those quick feet. And we even had the Texas Tech head coach, Coach Jerry Maguire, to talk about Tyree Wilson. He said, linemen want to get recruited by us. Send us a video of you dunking a basketball. So what are his basketball skills for him to feel like he's a basketball player, but not in your eyes? So I saw I saw McClendon play once. And for some, he was in my hometown of Cleveland, which is about 20, 30 minutes away from chat. And, uh, you know, and I watched him in, when I say McClendon could, could dunk with ease, and this was like a bigger McClendon. Like, he's obviously filled himself out. I think he's pretty much settled around 325, 330. But this was, this was like 350-pound McClendon. And I saw him jump up and dunk a basketball, like, pretty easily. Like, it took a long time. I talked to one of his high school coaches uh, a couple weeks ago for something, and it, it took a while for them to, to convince McClendon that, hey, you know, I think they finally told him one day, hey, you know what? Uh, Julio Jones and Steve Nash are the same size. <laughs> you know, and I think that was one of those, like, things that kind of stuck in his mind. It's like, oh, so you've got to be – Steve Nash caliber to be elite at basketball, like that caliber. But you said at six six, six seven, six eight, wherever your you know, whatever his size is, you know, with like with your quick feet and all this that and the other, you can be good. You can be really good in football. And I think that's when he really just yeah, you know, got fully locked into it. But he'll still tell you that if he needs to, I think I think he still says if he needs to, he can get down on the basketball court. I just uh, I just don't know how true that actually is now. Uh, you know, that's a lot of years of. I mean, a lot of these guys who say they're basketball players are off. They're always offensive linemen, and I understand you saying that coming out of high school. But five years of getting in that position and the the beating and battering, I'm not sure McClendon's going to say that now. But I think he still feels like he has like you know one last. Uh, one last dance, all of Michael Jordan in them. <laughs> we got to get him on the show, and that's all I want to ask him about is basketball. That's it. That's it. But also, just going... basketball, just pepper with basketball questions. <laughs> I'm telling you, like it'll be, it'll be very just, you know, it'll be very jarring. I think for him to answer ten basketball questions on a uh, on a show as a NFL dra- uh, NFL prospect, NFL player. All right, so going back to the football side of it, we saw last year that Cole Strange was a first-round pick also coming out of Chattanooga. Do you think that being around Cole Strange helped him maybe get seen by some draft scouts who maybe weren't looking at him before, but having a guy that's on your team that win the first round, that helped put some more eyeballs on him? Oh, no doubt. And I, I, when I remember when they signed him, uh, they, you know, there was, they had a guy on their staff who had spent time working in the Chiefs and the Browns front office uh, prior to coming to Chattanooga, and, and he said the second they got him, he said that's that's a pro. He said his long arms, and he was breaking down some of the you know football terminology to me. He's like his long arms, his, his quick feet. And, you know, that's a pro, and uh, and I think he was kind of flirting. You know, people like kind of poking their head in there, looking at McClendon here and there. Uh, but then when people started paying attention to Cole, I think that's when they started seeing, oh, they've got multiple pros on that line. In 2021, I mean, they have multiple pros in the line. And uh, so there's no doubt that, you know, I think no, people are going to start saying, okay, well, they just had a first-round draft pick. Let's see what else they have out there. And obviously it's going to lead to, you know, more and more people at least wanting to lay odds on, you know, this offensive line and, you know, in future seasons because they've currently got uh, – they've got a 
2016, they had a kid named Corey Levin, who's still with the Titans. Uh, he was thinking it was a six-round pick. They had Cole Strange and, and now McClendon that's you know, going to be fighting for a spot with the Raiders. So uh, there's no doubt that Cole's uh, influence, you know, obviously Cole, uh, you know, Cole and McClendon spoke a lot during this process. Uh, and I think he was really helpful for McClendon, you know, in terms of making future decisions. But obviously his, his presence uh, last year and his success on the field with the Patriots certainly played a role, I think, in getting McClendon uh, multiple eyes on him. Tell you what, a couple more offensive linemen go to the league from Chattanooga. They're going to start saying Chattanooga's putting out all the offensive linemen, right? They're putting them all out there. O-line you, man. O-line <laughs> you, man. Something like Bama or Georgia right now. There you go. No doubt about it. Hey, claim it while you can. Gene Henley, Times Free Press, has joined us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So when you look at McClendon, what would you say is his, his biggest strength and what would you say is his biggest weakness in his game? I think his mobility is certainly is, is probably his greatest strength. Um, you know, let's say again, his size, he moves very, very well. Um, I think when you talk to some people, maybe his, his, his weakness is uh, – I think he's got to get stronger. Uh, I think he's got to be more aggressive. And I think that's, you know, when I've talked to football people who, you know, I, I, I defer to all football people because I was a basketball player. And so when I ask them, that's kind of what they tell me. When I ask other, when I ask some of his teammates, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, his hand stuff is all that seems to be good. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, there's a reason why, you know, a kid with that size and those measurables, Fell, I mean, went undrafted. Right. And what there's a reason why a kid with that size and those measurables coming out of high school uh, was only a three star prospect who, you know, who fell to Chattanooga. And and so like when I talk, that's that's kind of the feedback that I get is that he has he has the physical tools. It's just does he have that aggressive nature? That was the biggest difference between Cole Strange and McClendon was Cole didn't even know what he was doing his for his freshman year of college. He just saw somebody in a different color jersey and just went and hit him. Like he was a tight end coming out of high school. Like yeah. he wasn't he wasn't trying to, but he just knew there was somebody out there that needed to be hit, and he just hit even if it was the wrong person, just go hit him. You can fix <laughs> the other stuff in practice, but like man, we look, we can teach you who the right person is to hit. But when he's going to go hit you at ninety miles an hour, that helps. But and I think that's the biggest thing I've heard about McClendon when I've spoken to people like on the team and uh, you know out you know. Smart, smart football people. It's like he just probably needs to become more aggressive. And I think now you're fighting for your football life. You can't be complacent. You can't be what you were. Like you, you've got to, you know, maybe get uncomfortable in who you've been and maybe become more aggressive. And I think that would help him out a lot. But he certainly has the physical traits and the skill set uh, to make that happen. It's just, you know, obviously how bad do you want it from this point forward? Right. All you got to do is get an opportunity, and he's, he's going to be in camp. Rookie camp starts this weekend, so he's going to get his first taste at NFL action. And, Gene, Alim Ford, he went for over 1,000 yards rushing last year uh, for Chattanooga. How much did that have to do with McClendon Curtis blocking up front? You know, the offensive line obviously working together as a cohesive unit, but how much does McClendon like the, 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 rush blo- the run blocking game? He loved it. And, you know, like I think a lot of times, a lot of the yards that Alim was getting, if I don't know if a limb's a pro prospect, like he's small, but he, he gets, I think sometimes, I, I think he's got like 3,000, let's just say he's got 3,500 yards rushing his career. Uh, I would imagine like 2,900 of those were like after contact. Mm. But, uh, you know, because he's just that type of kid. But a lot of those yards that he was getting, you know, five, six, seven yards downfield, 
when he was getting good gains before getting hit was because he was running behind guys like McClendon. Uh, he was running behind guys like Cole. Like last year, it was McClendon and a bunch of like new parts. Like and so they leaned on they leaned on McClendon, and I thought he did a great job. You know, kind of paving the way a lot of times for a lot of those yards because uh, said it was a young line, but obviously you know a limb definitely succeeded. I think in large part because of McClendon. All right, so I've got to ask, in the profile that you did for McClendon, he mentioned how he wanted to get a truck with the draft money. I know he went undrafted, but that's still some good money, more than I'm making here. So, I mean, did he say what type of truck Did he say what type of truck he wanted to get? See, I, that's, see you and I, that's not, you know, not Q. No, that's exactly, that's like, that, that, you know, that's, that's like a quarter of what Q makes. Like, exactly, <laughs> yeah. You got that, that first round that. money. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, he got first round money. Like, I'm out here, like, you know, I'm not even, I'm an undrafted, like, NBA prospect. Like, I'm a G Leaguer right now or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but I'd imagine McClendon, because, like, McClendon was driving, like, a Honda Accord or something like that. It was, I saw him in the car one day, and I was like, man, you can't be comfortable in that. He was like, but you know what? It's paid for. I was like, you know, I got no, that's no right. argument for that, man. He's 22, 23, 24 years old. He's got that level of maturity. I'm not arguing, but. He said he always wanted a truck, and uh, I imagine that he's put himself in a spot. Like, my dad just bought a 2019, I think, Honda truck, and I think he paid, I think it was around, like, $40,000 or something like that. So, uh, seeing what McClendon made, I understand Vegas ain't cheap, but uh, <laughs> I, I think he could figure out a payment plan to get, you know, to get himself the truck that he's always wanted. Yeah, well, you know, we broadcast live out of the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, so I'm just saying he can go on down to the Cadillac dealership and get himself hooked up. That's that's all you know, I'm see, saying. That, see, that's why you got that first round money. Man, <laughs> you know, plug, man. No, this is the perfect time for our sponsor. Set me up for my sponsor. I knew I knew exactly what time of day that was. <laughs> No, that's right. Gene Henley doing a fantastic job for the Times Free Press. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Maybe get us uh, up to date on some more Chattanooga players. <laughs> oh man, like if I if I could tell you like two or three players, man, they got a they got an outside linebacker named Jay Person. Uh, he was Conference Player of the Year last year. He'll I think he at the very least he'll be undrafted. Uh, but I mean he's got elite. Pass rushing ability, um, elite pass, uh, pass rushing ability at his size. He's like 6'3", 235. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a limb, you know, is short, but his skill set and his ability, like his heart and desire, I think. I mean, this is the kid I think who tore his ACL in 2019, um, late in the 2019 season. And when I came back from Knoxville to Chattanooga, he was like pushing trucks during the pandemic when he couldn't do anything, he couldn't work out. And he was like pushing trucks uphill and flipping tires like three, like three months post-surgery. So uh, that's a couple guys that I, I would keep an eye out for. Uh, Cause they, they've got some, they keep some talent around there. Uh, they've obviously they've got a history. Uh, you know, they, they've got Terrell Owens in their background. Right. So they've always, they're always going to have that guy that they can, you know, kind of hang their hat on and, now they've got a first-round pick, and I'm guessing they're going to have the success of McClendon. So uh, I don't think that I don't think that NFL scouts are done coming to Chattanooga. They had I think 25 of those 25 NFL scouts nice. um, came came on campus, and for an FCS program, uh, that that's a lot. So they're mm-hmm. certainly not lacking for talent. But that's just a couple guys that I'll be keeping my eye out for maybe 12 months from now because 
they're going to be in maybe some of those like top 10, top 20 sort of FCS prospects lists, uh, specifically Jay. But I, I think a limb's career, he's been so successful. I, I think that he'll, I think his name will, will at least be looked at a little bit here and there. Gene, I've got to ask you this. This is going to be a bit of a personal question, but how did a brother from Tennessee adopt the Marlins as his baseball team? <laughs> why, you know, why, why are you so, on the men's baseball team? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you know, well, see, I, so this is me. I did not grow up on teams. Like, obviously, when I was – y'all can go ahead and get mad, but I'm 42, so my bat, my football team is the 49ers. Okay. Because growing up, all you had was the 49ers and the Cowboys. My first cousin was Cowboys, so I chose 49ers. But the rest of my sports teams, I, you know, I didn't really grow up on anybody. So if I'm going to pick a team, I'm going to pick a team that is at the bottom so I can kind of grow with them. Ironically, I chose the Vegas Golden Knights, too. And the very first year they went to the championship, I'm like, I can't. It's too much pressure. It's too much pressure. I can't do it. Like, so I dropped. And I had a friend. I got a friend who does a lot of traveling. Man, he went out and got me a. He got me a hoodie. I got a Vegas uh, Golden Knights hoodie in my in my closet. I haven't worn it since 2018 or whenever they first started. Uh, but yeah, that's basically all it is, man. So. I mean, I got the Cy Young winner in my back pocket. You know. There you go. I got Jazz Chisholm. You know, but I don't have much in the way of wins. Uh, so. I'll just I'll take my losses, man, and you know I I'll roll with it. All my you know, my coworkers are like, why don't you choose an Atlanta team? You ain't that far away from Atlanta. I'm like, yeah. Growing up, Atlanta, the Braves were something, but yeah, the Hawks, yeah, we're good there, man. <laughs> you like suffering? I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Like I'll suffer enough with my Marlins, man. I ain't, I ain't got to tune into them. I ain't got to do anything. I can poke my head in. Oh, they lost. Cool. I'll get the alerts. Cool. We good, man. We good. Maybe maybe next time, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? And I can go – if I want to go support my team, guess where I'm going? Always going to the game. There's always tickets available. Miami. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's only like tw- there's only like 8,000 people at the games, man. So, you got a perfect seat in Vegas. <laughs> I'm sorry, in Vegas. In Miami. It's hot. It's nice. And you know what? Miami fans, they show up late anyway. So, uh, you know, I can show up for the fourth inning, be done by the seventh inning, man, and be on South Beach. So, you got to take the good with the bad, man. Man, you got you got it all worked out, brother. You've got it all worked out. You've got the game plan of all game plans. I'm not mad at you at all. That's a uh, that's a good example. We ought to take a page out of your playbook, man. You don't have half the suffering that a lot of fans and fan bases have out there. I love it. I love it. Fantastic stuff, G. Thanks so much, man. We got to do this again. We got to catch up soon. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. Hey, no doubt, fellas. I certainly appreciate y'all having me, man. Be safe out there. All right, you too, my man. There he goes. Gene Henley, Times Free Press, at Gene Henley 3 on Twitter. He's got it all worked out, Damon. He don't have a bad day. He don't have a bad day. He's like, oh, team lost. All right, I get it. All right, no problem. Marlins always have an open seat at their games. He's not wrong. He's in South Beach. There's nothing wrong with that. I like that being a VGK fan was too much pressure. The team's too good, <laughs> and uh, I can't be too invested in these games. That's awesome. I love it. I really do. I, I It wouldn't be my approach, but I ain't mad. <laughs> I'm not mad at all. I'm not mad at the approach. Uh, he, I guarantee you he don't have those nights where he's upset and angry and looking for whatever the hardest drink in the house is to drink and, and take away the pain. I guarantee you that. He has a lot of painless nights, so I'm, I'm not mad at him at all. Gene Henley giving us a really good background on McClendon Curtis. I, I don't know about you. In Raider Nation, you can chime in at 69187, keyword R&R, com text line, and the phone line at 702-365-9200. We do have Andrew Hutchinson coming up from Best of Arkansas Sports at around 3.30. I, 
what do you think? I mean, McClendon Curtis sounds like a guy that obviously has a lot of work to do to make the team, but he also sounds like he's a guy that's willing to put in the work. He, he sound, I mean, that little background, and this is why we do these little backgrounds on guys, to give you a little bit of a, you know, kind of let you know who this player is and maybe what they're capable of. I liked what I heard about McClendon. I really did. And obviously the Raiders went out and they signed him and Dalton Wagner, the guy we're going to get a, you know, a little bit of background up coming up next. They signed him very quickly after the draft, so obviously they had their eyes on him. So there could be something there. I'm not saying he's going to be a day-one starter. I'm not going to say he's solving all the problems the Raiders have had at the right tackle position or even right guard position, but if he could be if he could be a, a player that they could kind of lean on and say, yeah, this is something. I mean, think about this. They went and got uh, Thayer Mufford out of Ohio State last year when? In round seven. So they went and got McClendon Curtis right after the draft, along with Dalton Wagner. It might as well be round seven, right? I mean, it's just right after. And, again, McClendon chose to, to sign with them because, well, he could pick his destination, and so it worked out pretty pretty good for him. It really, they, Those two guys could end up being some really good steals or, or really good additions, maybe not even steals because they gave a pretty good amount of money. They could be some good additions and, and add something, a little quality to those Raiders' offensive lines. And also, if strength is something that he's lacking, Deuce Gruden to get him right. I'm sure that's something right. that the Raiders are like, yo, you ain't got a problem about well, getting in the I'm weight sure, room. Yeah, I'm sure the weight room and the weight program in the NFL and with the Raiders and what they got going on at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center is probably a little bit better than what they got going on at Chattanooga, right? And that's not a slap in the face of Chattanooga. It's just the NFL. You know the NFL is bigger and better. Same thing that John Gruden said to Max Crosby. Your, your biggest goal is to get with Deuce Gruden. You got to get in that weight room and get bigger, right? And that's just the reality of it. What you get and what you're working with and what you're being treated with on the NFL level, is way different than it is in the college level. 325 is a time. Many thanks to Gene. That was some good stuff right there from Gene Henley from the Times Free Press talking about McClendon Curtis. Coming up next, we turn our attention to Dalton Wagner, the offensive tackle from Arkansas. Andrew Hutchinson will join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Gene Henley for the Times Free Press. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Gene Henley, as G-E-N-E-H-E-N-L-E-Y-3, the number three on Twitter. Really good uh, dude right there and had a nice little breakdown of McClendon Curtis and then some. Dropped a few little nuggets and gems on us. So when we get an opportunity to talk to McClendon, we'll talk to him about his his uh, his cooking, his little bo- bootleg restaurant that he had out of his dorm and all that good. So those are the kind of nuggets that you need to know about because that'll make a dude light up and really talk to you when you're in the media session. If he comes to the podium, be like, hey, man, so tell us about your boot league restaurant that you had out of your dorm. And, man, he'll probably start laughing, and then he'll go on a nice little nice little conversation about that. So uh, many thanks to Gene for providing that little background on McClendon Curtis. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have Andrew Hutchinson, best of Arkansas sports. He'll talk all things Dalton Wagner, the offensive lineman, out of Arkansas, but we want to hear from you as well at 702-365-9200 and our dobebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Two things today, uh, Black Friday that we'll find out on the 10th of this week uh, who's going to be playing on that game. I think that the Raiders should host that game each and every week. What are your thoughts on the Black Friday game? Should that be a game that the Raiders host this year? Is that a game the Raiders should host every year? Want to know that answer and then also what defensive rookie do you think makes the most or the biggest impact in 2023 and why? Let's go out to the phone lines real quick before we get to Andrew and talk to our friend ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, Anytime the Raiders can get on prime time, that's a prime time game. That Friday game. Yep. Yep. Anytime we can get on prime time, that's always a good thing. Okay, uh, for the Raiders because I just think our brand is just 
the greatest of all time, as far as I'm concerned. I'm biased, but okay. It's all good. Um, and so as far as the uh, – you said defense, right? Yeah, defense. Uh, the defensive rookies. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go interesting on this one, and it's okay. not going to be what you think. It's not going to be the first-round pick. Okay. Because there's one player that can make all that go – and that's the other defensive tackle rookie uh, that we selected. If he gets any penetration mm-hmm. and collapse that pocket, both of the ends are going to eat and eat a lot. Okay, and that's going to be the whole key that because that eliminates double teams. It, 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 so I think that that defensive tackle, I think he's going to be a steal. And his job is not necessarily to get sex; it's to eat up blocks. Okay. The free Crosby and my man on the other side. And that's all I have for you, Q. Hey, th- thanks for the call. Appreciate you. you talking about Byron Young, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, the third-round pick. I agree. I think he's going to be an impact player as well. I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at Jacorian Bennett, uh, the corner out of Maryland. I think those two guys are going to have a pretty, pretty good return uh, when they're out there. Uh, I don't expect Jacorian to be a starter right away, but I do think at some point he's going to earn his way onto the field, and you're going to see him out there quite a bit. But Byron Young, you're right. He's going to uh, eat some space. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to definitely dedicate himself to stopping the run, but he has a little bit of ability to get to the pass rush, as he showed last season, four sacks for the Crimson Tide. So we'll see what uh, you know how, how that translates. And, of course, it all gets started this week as rookie minicamp goes on for the Silver and Black between May 12th and May 14th. Now joining us on the phone lines is our guy Andrew Hutchinson, best of Arkansas sports. You can find him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. And, Andrew, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I want to say the last time we chopped it up and talked, I was at ESPN Central Texas, and we were talking about Chad Morris was the head coach of Arkansas, and we know that that didn't go well. Now it's the Sam Pittman era. A lot's gone a lot better. What's been the biggest change? Why are the Razorbacks having much better success under Coach Pittman? Well, I mean, it's 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 completely different. I mean, for one, I mean, it as stereotypical as it is to say this whenever there's a co- uh, a coaching change, I mean, it's a completely different culture. Um, they, I mean, Sam Pittman was able to come in and uh, establish his system, his his kind of culture right away. He had you know hired some good offensive and defensive coordinators, and you know it re- really it resulted in a an immediate turnaround with that program. Uh, and you know they once they kind of believed in the coaching staff, you know the team. Uh, turns out they weren't as bad as what Chad Morris made them say, seem like they were. So uh, it's been really really fun to watch. You know just how they've completely turned that program around and um, how much they they are. You know they're not only are they a couple of years ago in twenty one they were actually pretty good top twenty five team. This past year it was kind of mediocre or whatever, but they were competitive, and that was that was not the case under Chad Morris. So it's it's been fun to watch. You know, it's funny. There's a lot more connections now, Arkansas to Vegas, including defensive coordinator Barry Odom, now the head coach at UNLV here in Vegas. How much did Coach Odom, you know, bringing in that defensive uh, mindset that he had, how much did that help kind of the turnaround there in Arkansas as well? It was huge. I mean, more than just an X's and O's standpoint, which he helped for sure, but, I mean, he's a guy that had – uh, coaching experience when I mean, he was the head coach at Missouri uh, before coming to Arkansas, got fired there, had had some moderate success at, at Missouri. But, you know, Sam Pittman, the, the new head coach was, you know, he's he's never been a head coach before at this at this level. He'd been a Juco coach like back in the early 90s, but that's about it. And so Sam Pittman didn't really know how to do all this stuff. He really leaned heavily on Barry Odom and his experience. And I think that was huge in getting Sam Pittman to kind of adjust to this new position, this new role for him. So that helped as well. And then also, I mean, he, he's a 
he's a very good defensive coordinator. I mean, he, they kind of there was some struggles last year, uh, this past season, uh, for sure. But I think injuries played a huge role in that. I mean, Arkansas had the worst pass defense in the FBS, but also they had at one point seven defensive backs were injured, and you no one no one has enough depth, especially in a place like Arkansas to sustain that many injuries to that many significant players at a single position. So um, I, I think that had a lot to do with it. But I, more than anything, I think Barry Odom, just his experience and everything as a head coach is, is probably, was probably his biggest contribution to this program. You know, UNLV has been looking for a head coach to take over that program and really get it back to, you know, being a relevant program again. Do you think that Coach Odom, with all his experience, especially in the SEC as a head coach and defensive coordinator, do you think that he could really help this uh, this Rebels program? I think he can. I mean, and I'm also really high on, on the guy he's brought in to be his, his defensive coordinator, Michael Shear. Uh, he was the linebackers coach here at Arkansas and just worked wonders uh, with the, the linebackers uh, at Arkansas, you know, the, there's just been a lot of success the last couple of years. He's a young guy, uh, but he played for Barry Odom, so he kind of knows the, the 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 system there. He knows uh, what Barry Odom wants to do, kind of like the back of his hand. Uh, so I think that helps. And I mean, and I said it with Sam Pittman, and one of the keys to his success was hiring really good offensive and defensive coordinators and, and bringing him as his defensive coordinator, I think is going to help Barry Odom as well. Uh, plus, I mean, he does have that experience in the SEC, uh, you know, in, in he wasn't terrible. I mean, sometimes you hear, oh, a guy got fired. He must have sucked. I mean, right. <laughs> not all coaches are Chad Morris. Um, Barry Odom was was I think he had a 500 record in like four seasons at Missouri. So uh, he, he knows how to win. And I think he'll uh, if anybody can kind of stabilize that program, I think Barry Odom has a good chance to do it. Again, we're talking with Andrew Hutchinson here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Now, I wanted to get into a conversation about offensive tackle Dalton Wagner. The Raiders signed him as a priority undrafted free agent, gave him a nice chunk of change as soon as the draft went uh, was wrapped up. Were you surprised off top that uh, Wagner went undrafted? I wasn't too surprised. I mean, he does have some injury history. That was his biggest deal at Arkansas, was just being able to stay on the field, had some back issues, and as an offensive lineman, that's not a uh, – a good thing to be dealing with. Uh, but, you know, when he was on the field and healthy, he was very effective. Um, I think there are some limitations. I think they, they really only viewed him as a right tackle. Okay. You know, there was a couple of years where uh, there, there was some question marks at left tackle, and we would always ask Sam Pittman or whoever the coach was at the time. Because you know, I think he, when, when Dalton Wagner signed with Arkansas, I'm pretty sure it was still under Brett Bielema. Yeah, it was. And then yep. he played for Chad Morris. <laughs> And then Sam Pittman, but every time we asked the coaches, like, "Hey, is would could Dalton sw- slide over, you know, swap sides and go to left tackle?" And it was always like, "Yeah, we'd really like him at right tackle." So I kind of see him as uh, as kind of a right tackle only guy. Uh, so I wasn't necessarily surprised that he got, you know, went undrafted. Uh, but I, you know, I also wasn't surprised that, that the team really kind of wanted to to swoop him up, uh, reel him in right after the draft because he does have some talent and. You know, if he can if he can stay healthy, and it sounds like he's as healthy as he's he's been. Uh, talked to him at pro day uh, about a month or so ago, and uh, he that was his thing is like, you know, I've I've taken some time off, I've gotten my body right, gotten healthy, and uh, I think that's going to work wonders for him making a potentially making an NFL roster. Well, I'll tell you what, at six foot nine, 330 plus pounds, I mean, he looks like a monster of a dude. Of course, he's got the WWE NIL deal. He could be a, a wrestler if he <laughs> wants to be. Would you say that injuries are really his biggest issue, or is there anything else that you could say, okay, uh, this is an area of his game he needs to improve as well? I think he could stand to improve as a, a pass protector. I think that's maybe another one of the, the knocks on him. I mean, he wasn't just 
god awful or anything, mm-hmm. but he also wasn't as good as he was maybe in the 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 run blocking game, you know, opening up holes and you know that's what was a lot of what Arkansas's offense was based on was you know being able to run the ball and and he was a huge key in that. Uh, but he could probably improve as a, as a pass blocker. Uh, but I think injuries are probably the number one kind of red flag with him. Uh, but if he can be healthy, I, I think he's definitely got the, the abilities uh, to make a roster. If nothing else, make a practice squad, and then who knows what happens. You know, Arkansas had a an offensive tackle uh, you know, from a few years back under Sam Pittman uh, when he was the offensive line coach here named Dan Skipper, who – was on a practice squad, you know, played a snap here or there. And then last season he finally got an opportunity after, oh gosh, it's probably been five years in the NFL, mostly on practice squads. He, he gets a chance to start for the Detroit Lions. So uh, maybe that's a, kind of a similar career path. I think he's uh, got the skill set and ability to kind of stick for sure. Again, we're talking with Andrew Hutchinson here, talking all things Dalton Wagner on Raider Nation Radio 920. The Raiders signed Wagner as an undrafted free agent following the draft, and he's got a lot of snaps that he's played. I mean, the guy is, what, 24, 25 years old, so he's been uh, in, in college for quite a while, played under multiple coaches. How much do you think that that experience and all those snaps that he got in college will kind of help him adapt maybe to the NFL a little bit quicker? Yeah, he was a uh, he was one of those sixth year guys. Thanks to COVID, he got that extra year of eligibility uh, and, and came back and used it. And yeah, he's played a ton of snaps uh, under multiple offensive coordinators uh, and also in the SEC. I think that's a, the biggest thing is he's gone up against some premier edge rushers, uh, guys that are are in the NFL now. Uh, so he's got the experience. I think that only you know prepped him, made him better. And also, I mean, he 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 played for Sam Pittman. I think that that is probably the biggest kind of compliment you can give somebody uh, for an offensive lineman is, you know, you've learned and started under Sam Pittman. That's, that's a guy that knows offensive line play a lot more than, than I do. And uh, he liked Dalton Wagner. I mean, actually I say he loved Dalton Wagner. He was one of his favorite guys just by the way he talked about him. So uh, I think that that speaks volumes in my opinion. So uh, I think, I think that definitely is a, a, a plus for him and, uh, we'll, we'll give him at least a shot to, to make it in the NFL. You know, I saw where he was voted a, a captain to start the 2022 season or right before the 2022 season. So how much does that say for his leadership of what the rest of the team thought about him? Oh, yeah, he's, he's a big-time leader. He's a vocal guy, a guy that really kind of commands the room. I mean, it helps being six foot nine, 330-something right. pounds, like you said, <laughs> uh, and, and the hair that he has and everything. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a commanding presence. And also, if... if you or anyone else in the media has an opportunity to talk to him, you'll really enjoy it because he's he's great with the media, very well-spoken, uh, guys respect him. Uh, so I, I think that also, you know, it, it helps him as well. I mean, he's a guy that's not going to – he's going to know his role. You know, he's not going to come in and just be like, hey, I'm, I'm a guy, I need to, to take over or whatever. He's going to know his role, but he's also going to – whenever he speaks up, it's going to it's gonna mean something. Uh, he, he's a he's, uh, – just a, a really a really good guy for for one and I'm, personally I'm happy for him that he's getting an opportunity uh, there was a time where I wasn't sure he was because of those back issues uh, so for him to get this opportunity is just really awesome just because of how uh, you know I, I know uh, just his his story and everything he's he's a guy that that deserves the opportunity and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. Again, we're talking with Andrew Hutchinson, best of Arkansas sports here on Raider Nation Radio 920, talking about Dalton Wagner. And I remember that cold day in Fayetteville. He allowed two sacks against Alabama. Was that, in your opinion, kind of the rough day that he had throughout the 2022 season? 
Well, I, I I would have to say there's a lot of people out there that have had rough days against yeah, Alabama. True, <laughs> uh, that that that's just part of it. But yeah, I mean, he, there were there were some ups and downs. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, you look at you know Pro Football Focus grades and all that kind of stuff. For the most part, he did okay. He did pretty well, pretty solid. That was part of what was a pretty much a really good offensive line. The, the offensive line as a whole kind of faltered down the stretch. Um, not really sure what exactly led to that it was one of the more bizarre kind of uh storylines in the last few games of the season but uh for the most part Dalton Wagner I thought held his own and uh graded out well whenever he was in there and and again Sam Pittman always spoke really highly of him and never really you know there were there were times some other guys on the line he would he would mention like hey so-and-so's got to step up whatever and uh really for the most part Dalton Wagner uh was not one of those guys he he usually was doing what he did but again you're going to give up a sack here or there, especially against a team like Alabama. And uh, I think that was just kind of the, the case there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. We'll finish up on a high note. I mean, Arkansas ran for over 3,000 yards, right? Had over 6,000 yards of offensive production. Uh, how big was he in the run game as far as, the, you know, the run blocker uh, helping Raheem Sanders have big season? Yeah, Rocket Sanders ran for over like 1,400 yards, something like that. And, and honestly, the, the running back room as a whole was – was really is really really talented. I think one of the more talented uh, position groups on the the team, and I think the offensive line, uh, both Dalton Wagner, Ricky Stromberg at center, you know, got drafted by Washington, uh, and some other guys that that were on that unit uh, played a huge role in that. Um, I, I think that was uh, a big thing. And plus, I mean, you also got to look at KJ Jefferson, the quarterback, also mm-hmm. ran for for some solid numbers as well. A uh, huge part of that run game and. Uh, you know, I think I think Kendall Bryles, the former now former offensive coordinator, had a lot to do with that. But again, you have to have the offensive line. That was one of the the things I think Arkansas fans were most frustrated with, you know, under the previous regime before Sam Pittman got here, is that the offensive line was not up to SEC standards. And and Dalton Wagner was part of that. I mean, honestly, he was he was one of the guys that played under the previous coach. And Dalton, you know, Sam Pittman comes in and turns Dalton Wagner into a guy that can get signed as a priority free agent uh, in the NFL. Something that I at, you know, four years ago, didn't think there was anywhere even close to being possible. So uh, I think that's a, a credit to, to Sam Pittman, but also credit to Dalton Weiner and his work he put in uh, as well. And, and, you know, being a, a big part of, of what they did last year. And honestly, I would say Arkansas was an elite offense when KJ Jefferson was on the field you look at the the numbers wherever he you know wasn't out with an injury or, or clearly not 100 percent and they were like a top 10 top 20 offense in the country and again a lot of that boils down to what what Arkansas did up front and Dalton Reiner was a huge part of that. Andrew I know you said that he played on the right side uh, right tackle is there any potential that he could kick inside the right guard as well or is he kind of versatile in that in that scenario? You know I, I'm trying to remember I don't know if he ever really did that much at Arkansas uh, he's a guy that would give it a shot for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not going to be totally resistant to it. Uh, he's a smart guy, I think. So, I mean, he's he would definitely have the mental capacity to do it. Um, he would be pretty big as a yeah, guard at, right. at six foot nine. <laughs> um, but I, I think there's some some durability and flexibility there with him uh, that he would at least be able to to give it a shot. But I I, I truly see him more as a, a right tackle. Uh, 
in, in at the next level, but who knows? I mean, you, people have surprised me before. Right. No, there's no doubt about that. I know uh, GM Dave Ziegler, they love uh, versatility, so I was just wondering if there's any chance that he can kick inside the guard, but you're right. That's a monster guard, a 6'9", a 337, uh, maybe even more <laughs> than that at this point. Well, Andrew, fantastic stuff. Again, best of Arkansas sports is where you're at, at NWA Hutch on Twitter. Uh, I know you're about to go on vacation, but there, is there anything that we should be on the lookout for that maybe you're dropping before you head out on vacation? Oh, it's it's baseball season right now in Arkansas, so yeah. it's it's mostly baseball coverage uh, with a little bit of football and basketball sprinkled in there as well. I know Eric Musselman may be a name out there in that yep. area of the country. People know uh, he's he keeps us busy for sure <laughs> uh, with his work in the transfer portal. So that, that's that's kind of what my life is consumed with right now is baseball and, and Eric Musselman's. Uh, comings and goings in the in the portal right well we'll keep our shirt on right we won't do like muscle we won't take our <laughs> shirts off we'll uh, we'll keep our shirts on we definitely appreciate you this afternoon like i said man uh go on that vacation enjoy yourself you put up great work and uh we'll talk soon sounds good anytime Andrew Hutchinson, best Arkansas sports with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Really good background right there on Dalton Wagner, offensive tackle out of Arkansas. So now we knocked out both offensive linemen that the Raiders signed as undrafted free agents, McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga, and now Dalton Wagner out of Arkansas. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. we got Andre Snellings from ESPN coming up at the top of the hour to talk all things NBA playoffs. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Just a few minutes away from getting up to speed and having your knowledge leveled up when it comes to all things NBA playoffs, Andre Snellings, Professor Driz will be joining us from ESPN at 4 o'clock to talk all things NBA playoffs. But right now we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our friend, Shields Up. Welcome to the show, my man. How you doing, Q? Blessed, man. I'm blessed. How are you? Things are good, man. I'm barbecuing right now. I heard that. Well, it's a lot better, man. <laughs> <laughs> in the Northeast kind of warmed up a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I'm looking at Amari Bernie. Okay. That's who my guy is. And and I think he's gonna I think he's gonna shine in that position. And uh because we need a linebacker so bad that uh um I think he's gonna step in and handle it and I'll and I'll throw a surprise over here. He's good in coverage, very good in coverage, and I think he's going to lock down Kelsey. Ooh, okay. I know this is this is way out in left field, and I know JT's been screaming about this for, for months, if not years. Can someone guard Kelsey? <laughs> we might have him, but um, that's my man. And what I'm saying is because that, that position group right now is probably the weakest, not mm-hmm. to put nothing on you know, the rest of the guys right. in in that room. But I think right now it's 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 lacking. And I think he's going to step up and fill that position and be the leader. And I think he's going to wear the green the green sticker, man. Hey, thank you for taking my call. And can I get a shield jump on three? Yep. One, two, three. Shields up. up. <laughs> there he goes, my guy. Shields up. And that's good. I like that, man. Amari Bernie, he's a guy who had multiple interceptions last year, had four sacks for Florida, uh, a couple forced fumbles. He's a guy that used to be a safety. He's converted linebacker, similar to Divine Diablo. And we'll do an update on him. We'll do a little bit of back- background profile on him tomorrow with Nick De La Torre, uh, who covers the Florida, uh, Gan- I almost said Florida Panthers, Florida Gators, like a glove. So that'll come up tomorrow at 2.30. So thank you so much, Shields up, for that. And you know what? Coming out of left field is okay. I, I like left field.
field. If we want to talk about baseball terms, that was my position. Left field. Man, oh, man. Shout out to Ricky Henderson. That was my guy. Left field. Uh, it's funny. When I was playing baseball, uh, my one of my first uh, managers put me at third base. At first, he put me at shortstop, and I was fine at that. I did it. Then he put me at third base. He's like, oh, you got a strong enough arm. You can play third base. I was like, dude, I just want to play left field. Like, that's all I wanted to do. I was like, I just want to play left field. I had to be Ricky Henderson. Like, I wanted to do everything that Ricky did. So I was like, I just want to play left field. Yeah, but you're really good at third base. Yeah, but I just want to play left field. Like, that's all I want. Well, what about center? No, I want to play left field. Like, you don't understand. Ricky played center for a little while, but not all the time. I want to play left field. So, anyway, I eventually got there. And it was funny. My first team I was on was the Reds. And then my second team I was on was the A's. So, then it really hit the, you know, it hit it hit the, the peak for me. I was the, on the A's and I was playing left field. It didn't get any better. And I was the leadoff hitter. And I stole all the bases. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was in my bag. I would, look, DeMond, no joke. I would get on first base and I would look at you and say, do not swing for two pitches. Cause I will be at third base in two pitches. Like I, I didn't even, I didn't even wait. Like I didn't even like pretend like I wasn't going. Like you knew as soon as Q got to first, he's running. There was no doubt I was going every time, and I did. Even sometimes on pitch outs, I'd still get it to second. I was that fast. What age was this? Uh, I was in senior, senior majors of baseball. So I guess I was like eighth grade or ninth grade or whatever. I think I was eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade. I love that confidence from an eighth grader. Of hey guys. No, I did. I got it. <laughs> no, I did. I told him. I told him all the time. Like, my, I have, I still have the newspaper. My dad, when he came here, I think last year, he brought, you know, parents always keep stuff, uh, you know, your memorabilia and stuff like that. He brought and pulled out a newspaper that had my very first baseball game in it. It said I was four for four, and I stole four bases, scored four runs, and my team lost like eight to four. Like, my team stunk, but I did everything that day. Four for four, four stolen bases. I didn't lose. Y'all four lost. Runs. No, I lost. I lost a lot. I lost a lot. My team stunk. Even when I was on the A's, my team stunk. But, I mean, I had fun. I just, I, for some reason, man, I don't know. Sometimes, at some point, I thought it was me. I was like, maybe I'm just, I'm the, I'm the losing guy because I can't win, man. Something, something's going on here. My team ain't winning. But it was funny. My dad whipped out that newspaper and uh, showed it to the wife. And I was like, oh, dang, I didn't know you still had that thing. It's, I'll bring it into work tomorrow. If I remember, I'll bring it into the job That's tomorrow dope. so you can see it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't even know if they have newspapers. Now you got to look online to see if uh, what your kid did. <laughs> But yeah, that was. I'll even bring in my baseball card. I had my baseball card uh, that that they uh, that they gave me when I was in baseball. Uh, it was pretty cool. My first. It was funny. My first time playing. Uh, well, I tried out for the team. I had never played baseball before, and I tried out for the team. They they made us do tryouts, and they gave me twenty pitches, and I swung and missed it every single one of them, all twenty. And then they're like, "Well, go run the bases after the last one." I was like, "Why?" Like I just swung and missed it every one of them. They're like, "Well, we still need you to run." And I was like, "I'm fast. I can run. I'm really fast." And I still got selected, but I was man. I literally left that tryout in tears. I was so upset because I swung and missed at every single pitch. I did everything else good, but I could not hit the damn ball. So uh, my dad took me to the batting cages. We didn't leave that day until I started hitting the ball, and uh, the rest was history. So there you go. There's a quick history of my baseball skills or lack of skills that I had early in my baseball career. Three fifty-seven is the time. Shields up. It's good to hear from you, brother. Coming up next, Andre Snellings from ESPN will get us caught up on everything NBA. This is Red Nation Radio nine twenty.